0: Bankruptcy, divorce laws, disability, probate, there are so many classes on the path to practicing law. Unfortunately, most schools fail to instruct you on the business of law. This is Solo De Facto, a show dedicated to discovering the success secrets that exist in the reality of running a solo practice. My goal is to find the one thing that separates each guest from the rest to give you practical solutions to create a thriving firm. Solo De facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist.
1: Welcome, everyone. Um, I'm happy to be here today with another episode of Solo De facto. Now, I'm a little bit nervous, but mostly excited for today's guest. Um, he's my mentor. We've worked together in marketing, he's a great leader and master conversationalist. Um, author of Marketing Automation Unleashed, previously the founder CEO of um, Cheshire Impact, the number one marketing automation automation agency in the world for 10 years. Um, Now the founder CEO of Ringmaster Conversational Marketing, Casey Cheshire. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. You've taught me so much um, and I can't wait to learn some more. So enough of me talking, let's pass it to you. Um, what's the one thing that you wish attorneys knew about running a successful law firm?
2: Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's that new clients come from connections and there is no better way, no no more efficient way to create these connections with your valuable time than podcasts. Okay, Boom.
1: wow. So tell me more about that. How is podcasting the most efficient way to create these connections?
2: Yeah, it, you know, and- I think a lot of us when we think podcasts, we think, uh, you know, Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss, you know, him and Elon Musk, they're smoking weed or something. But that this that's just one conversation. But but what podcasts really are is just two people like you and I, right now, sitting down, focused. I'm not looking at my phone. I can't. I'm on air, right? We're live. We have to do this thing. We're focused on each other and we're in the moment and we're learning from each other and we're building rapport. Like you and I have already worked together. But if we hadn't, by the end of this conversation, we really know each other. We've had a really solid conversation where I think these days people don't really get that anymore. You know, we have the little sound bites, little quick meetings, or if I'm on a meeting with you, I'm checking my phone and no one's really focused, but on a podcast, you are focused on each other. You're having some great questions, and ideally, if you build your podcast right, you're making that guest feel really good. Like your introduction was amazing, and so, <laughs> like, man, this is this is awesome. And so, it, it's a great controlled project that can build rapport with you and your guest. And when you, there's there's a great Zig Ziglar quote: when you like someone, um, you'll listen to them, but when you trust them, you'll do business with them. And it's a, it's a perfect quote. You just need, you know, okay. Get a little listening, a little liking. Okay. Now we're listening, but now we trust each other after this, let's do work together. And so many times now we have podcasts where, you know, my team helps people launch podcasts. And what we do is we get people and they sit down with their perfect buyer. Right. So it's like, who do you invite on this thing? We invite your perfect customer, you know, for the attorneys out there listening, if you're, if you, prefer business customers. If you're going after CEOs, there's one podcast that we've launched very successful CEO confidential, a great attorney out in Cleveland speaks with CEOs in the area. And he asks them, Hey, what, what drives you? What, what are the lessons that you can, you can share with everyone else out there? So you have a lot of CEOs, a lot of his ideal customer, his ideal business customers are listening to this podcast, but also he is talking one-on-one with the CEO of a company, they should totally hire him and his firm to do work for them. And it, and they do. And they do because they've spent an hour with him, talking with him. They realize this guy's great. He made me look good. I trust this guy. He, he asked me great questions. And often on a podcast, you can ask questions back and forth to each other. So you're really building something there. And we've seen to have a lot of success. So I know attorneys... Uh, You know, the time is so limited and so valuable and so rare. and Everyone's trying to get on your calendar. And sometimes it gets filled up with those free consultations and all these different crazy things. And you just take a second out of your day and say, let me have a one-on-one conversation with someone who I want to work with. And let's see if something comes out of that. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So would
1: you say that these connections are also being built with the audience, the listeners that are hearing these conversations that you're having with your ideal client? Is that attracting them to you or how how is that helping when you have an audience that's also listening to the
2: podcast? It's a great question. And you know, you know, what's crazy is if you pick the right guest, your audience almost doesn't even matter because you know, if you just got that one customer in or that one deal or that one case that comes from that particular person you had on the show, then that might've paid for your podcast for a whole year. Like some of the, you know, the larger cases, right? That might've just done it. That might've just justified the whole process. And, and you get to do one of these a week. So it's like a real goldmine. But what's crazy is that when you we talk all about the guests, but then to your question, when you think about the audience that's listening, the audience tends to be your guests, they, they keep listening after the fact, which is great. And then it tends to be other people in their network. So you get other perfect buyers, perfect clients listening to the podcast. And what's crazy about this, like, I feel like I know Joe Rogan pretty well. I probably listened to him for like a hundred hours I feel like, you know, at least from my perspective, we're bros. If I ever met him, I'd buy him a beer. He does not know who I am, right? <laughs> I know yeah. him on this podcast, but I am not that famous. So like, like, but yet I feel like I know him and I trust him. Like, would I, would I trust him on a hunting trip? Absolutely. Right. Or, or whatever kind of thing he totally, I, I feel like I've, I've heard him encounter situations and. So I know, like, and trust the guy I would do, I would buy something from him, right? The same thing happens with, with a guest of your show. They've listened to you. They've learned from you. They've heard how you've dealt with things and you shared like, Hey, if you're nervous, you're shared that you shared that with them. If you're excited about something, they start learning a little bit pieces about how you would react to certain things and your preferences, because they pick up on these little things that happen episode to episode. And so you're going to find out you, you as Wilco, you're going to find out there are these people that will have listened to you for hours, and that know you really well. And you don't know them yet. But when you meet them, they're going to say, oh, I've been listening to you for a long time. I'm a big fan. And and then you get to learn more about them. And so that's the kind of cool thing that happens with the listeners of podcasts is that not only are you going to convert and work with those guests, but there's likely hundreds, if not thousands of people that are going to be listening that could also do business with you. And that may just even reach out to your firm to want to, you know, get your help with a particular case, particular challenge, because they've listened to you so much and they trust you and they trust your guidance.
1: Absolutely. I really like that you're using the word trust because I feel like once you do start to get to know somebody through listening to them and their opinions on things and how they converse with another person, it does really build, it makes you feel like you could be that person that they're talking to. That yeah. makes a lot of sense to me.
2: Yeah, it um, really does. So,
1: Why do you think that um, attorneys aren't doing this? Why, if if this is the best way to build those connections and to get new clients, why aren't attorneys doing it?
2: It's totally new. It's totally new in, in a business sense, right? So obviously Rogan and friends and a bunch of audio nerds have been out there for years, decades, long times doing this, but it's the idea of using it to facilitate a business conversation is relatively new. And so the cool thing is anyone listening to this show is hearing really cutting edge stuff. This is stuff that the top marketers in the largest firms are using. This is the ones that are spending millions in advertising. They're doing this as well. But what's crazy is you don't need to spend a million in advertising to launch a podcast, right? And so we do it routinely for people every day, all day, overnight. Like it just, it happens and you don't need those huge budgets. You can just get started.
1: What do you need to get started, um, with a podcast and how, how do you go about getting it done? If you, because it, 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 does seem like something that's going to be a huge venture, super expensive. How, how does the average attorney go about getting it done and starting it?
2: Sure. Sure. And, and that's where, you know, I, I don't want to be like all salesy, but like my team just handles it for people. So they don't have to think about it or worry about it we just work together. We launch the thing in a 30 day process. And then all they have to do is they just show up for the call with their perfect customer, interview them. It's really like a, it's a much more fun, shorter deposition is all it really is on a podcast. Right. (laughs) And it's a lot more fun. Um, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, you know, cite anything and you don't have to show it to the judge later, but it's one of those things where, it's, it's a lot of fun, but if you have a team, like really you need, you need some experts behind you that can help you launch it. So you don't have to worry about what audio equipment to get or any of that. We just send it all the people, right? So you know, that's the best way to do it so that your time is maximized. If you're going to do it on your own, there's some apps out there you can get on your phone um, and you, you're going to want to get some kind of mic or some kind of audio equipment. Um, you know, I have a, a ATR 2100 is my microphone. Highly recommend it. It's a good intersection between the, the super super expensive mics and the you know the super super cheap ones, or just your laptop sound or something like that. So there's a lot of moving pieces and parts. But really, if people were to just do some prep on their own, even before talking to us, it would be who do you want to talk to? Who are your ideal customers? Who are your ideal clients? And and not just the the, the simple ones. Oh, I just hear my run of the mill ones. Not the ones that bring you in a, a you know a 10k. You know, case or just some you know simple will No, bring in the whales, bring in your biggest, most exciting clients with this kind of thing. I, you, know, for example, I, I was you know, in my last company on a podcast I was doing. We we're going after people that had these large software deployments, and so we didn't just talk to some random company down the street. I was getting interviews with Amazon and other large companies because it's like shoot big, you know, swing for the fences. When you have a podcast, you'd be surprised. No one says no to an interview on a podcast. Sometimes, if they're busy, they'll say like next month, maybe. But but people aren't aren't rejecting those because it's an honor and it's and it's a privilege to be invited.
1: Absolutely, it's exciting that somebody wants to talk to you and learn from you and understand you. And obviously, people like to talk about themselves. So why wouldn't they want to be right? on a podcast right. talking about themselves?
2: Right. You know. Wow. So. Dan Sullivan, there's this brilliant dude, Dan Sullivan, he has a great quote where he says, everyone is competing for your attention, but no one is competing to give you attention. And it's so true. Think about every advertisements, we're all, you know, marketing, trying to get people's attention, even, you know, advertise all the things you're trying to do out there to get people's attentions, billboards, all that stuff. We've got, gotten so used to zoning it out that we don't even notice it. I think there was some stat that showed like you encounter 5,000 ads a day, you know, and you don't even realize it.
0: Yeah. Because we zone them all.
2: out. (laughs) But one person saying, Hey, what's your story? Where'd you come from? Right. Priceless. You remember that. If somebody asks you that in a day, at the end of the day, when someone asks you, how did your day go? Dad or mom, right? Mom, how'd your day go? You're like, well, you know what? I saw all these ads. No, no, no. You're like, you know, I had this amazing conversation with this person and they were really interested in who I am. I told them my story. Let me tell you my story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so it's almost like you're building trust by having that conversation, but you're also building the likability by showing interest in them. And it's almost like doubling how much they're going to like and trust you because of even reaching out and honoring them that you're showing that attention. And, right. and even asking them to be on your show.
2: That's Right, really as cool. opposed to you invite them on on your show and then you just talk the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that doesn't work. I think those people are not going to do business with you. But if you're doing the opposite, where you're genuinely interested in learning from these people, and they're all brilliant too, they're brilliant to be in that that category of wanting to be your, you know, whoever you're going after your your best clients. I'm sure you can learn from them. And so I've been I've been honored to in invite all sorts of people into my podcast. And I've had, you know, professors from Wharton hop on a podcast with me for an hour and a half, just one-on-one and school me on a topic. Um, and they were honored and I'm, I'm thankful, but they're even more honored the whole process. So it feels very mutually beneficial um, in a good way, which is exactly the way to start out a new relationship with a client.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, um, what is it? The of recipro- reciprocity, that you do something for somebody, they want to do something for you. Um, Really cool. So do you have, if you had to say one, one thing that would be the first step to, um, to somebody that wanted to start a podcast, what would that be?
2: That's a great question. Gosh, you know, the mark of a great podcast host is when they ask you a question that gets you out of your like, yeah, yeah, let me answer. And you're like, Oh crap! I gotta think about that one. So I'll stop the <laughs> Gotta delaying. buy some
1: time, <laughs> right? Buy
2: some time, right? Like, man, man, uh, you know, when it, my gut reaction on that is, the, the first thing I want to think about is if you could, if you could ask all your clients one question, what's one thing you would want to ask them? Just thinking about if you were to ask all your clients, it, and they and they will answer this question, so not like a deposition right back to that they they will answer this and they'll be happy to answer this if there is one question you could ask them you could learn from all your clients what would it be and i think that just gets the process started of saying oh wow you know if i asked a couple people this question i think i'd have a good sense but what if by the end of doing this in a year you had 50 answers from your ideal customer your ideal client you had 50 compiled answers well you know what that kind of information becomes really valuable to all your other clients and now you started getting into the idea of marketing and content and all these other things where you start you start becoming the expert because you've asked 50 of these types of people what the question is your question and they've answered it so now you become a thought leader and so you become a thought leader in that space without even realizing it so i think just simply asking yourself that one question like what what could i ask them what would i ask them and and that just begins that process and then, and then have fun. I think if I could add another, the second thing I would do to have a little bit more fun is start thinking of some names. What would you call it? What would you call your podcast? And this is part of the service we offer where we're, we're going to work with people to figure out what it should be. Cause there are certain strategies for it, but man, you can have fun with it too. It doesn't have to be a super serious name.
1: Um, okay. So moving on to what, um, I want to learn a little bit more about you and your business and kind of what are the things that are um, the most exciting for you coming up?
2: Yeah. What's exciting for me coming up? Um, You know, I don't, I want to keep talking about podcasts, but like, I'm excited to just be meeting people and doing new things. And, and for me, podcasts are making connections with other people. So I'm really excited to, just be facilitating connections. That's our purpose at Ringmasters, just to facilitate human connection. And man, we're just making connections all over the place. And so it's just fun because for me, when we do that, we become a more connected society. And you you get rid of a lot of the miscommunications and mistreatment and mistrust that we have across groups and countries and areas and geographies and types of people. When you communicate with each other, you learn about each other. And then it just you realize we're not all that different from each other. And at the end of the day, yeah, it's a podcast, but it's also just, it's connecting the world.
0: Wow.
1: I really like that. Um, It really, it feels fitting to me because you, you make it fun and it, it becomes something that you are connecting with the people around you. You're allowing them to get to know you and trust you, but you're getting to know your community as well. So you're also learning about all of these people that you want to work with and getting to know them. And then you can use that to continue growing your business and also make your business more relatable to them. Um, I find that really interesting.
2: You know, one of the questions I love asking on podcast is what keeps you up at night? And asking my clients that, because it doesn't necessarily mean it's my product or service. Nothing a part of that question says you need to buy a podcast or anything. <laughs> it's it just literally saying, genuinely speaking, like what in your business, you know, what keeps you up at night? You know, what are the challenges you're facing? And you get, the, you get the truest answers back where maybe it's about growth or sales or your team or COVID or whatever you're worried about, but you get to hear from people what their challenges are. And then you in your in your business in your place and um, in your firm, you can think, well, how can I how can I connect or how can I help out that client? What do they need? Like uh, the thing I love about attorneys is they're so well connected, and I mean, podcast is right up their alley. So, who do I know that p- could potentially alleviate this challenge for this person? It's not billable. It you know it doesn't need my branding on it, but I know that they've got an issue with you know mortgage refinancing their their business building. I don't know. That's what they, they shared with me. Man, I know someone over here. We did a, a deal with them. We did their will or something. And man, I could just connect these two people. They're great people and I bet they could they could you know work together and they could you know fix this problem. And and you start becoming the fixer. You start becoming the connector not just the, the connections you have with people but then the connections you continue to make through around your community and with your clients and then they become I mean, they look, they respect you. They love you. They're you're their go-to. Right. And so, and that's what you want. You want them to come to you, even if it's not something that you practice, you know, I have a, I have a go-to attorney my, myself and, and he, he's the first one to not do everything, but he's the guy I ask, Hey, what, you know, I need, you know, help with wills and family stuff. Cool. Go here. Hey, um, how about business stuff? Oh, go here, go this, or a specialty. Hey, this is occurring. Okay, you need a specialist. Or no, I got you on this one. But he's the first one to connect me. Now, that's just in the legal world, but then also he he's worked with so many other local businesses in the area that if I need you know, help with a particular thing, realtor, this, that, he's connecting me. And I think that is really a secret sauce for attor- the attorneys that we see work really well versus the attorneys we see that like struggle to make ends meet. It's because not only are you connected, but you're connected and you're able to utilize your connections to help other people.
1: Absolutely. So you become almost like a resource, even if you can't provide the solution, you have an idea of who might have the solution.
2: Yeah. You're the resource.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. So I'm going to turn that question back on you. What is the one thing or couple of things that are challenging you? What's keeping you up at night in your business?
2: God, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> no, this is great. This is great. Um, you know, I, I think the challenges that I have in my business are one. Um, figuring out you know, the, the host training, like, like a podcast is not something Well, we can do it completely for you. Like we can find you a host, but the host gets all the relationships. The host gets the rapport. So ideally wanted to be the attorney. So we've been working really hard at training people and coaching them through being a host. And I think that's the one of the scary things. you know, especially if, if you're not a litigator, if you're not you don't want to be up in front of people, it's like, well no, it's just a connection. It's a one-on-one conversation, not on stage. There's not a million people. there's two people. And so but you know what does it take and how do you ask good questions? and you know the, and attorneys know this well. the question you ask, you know results in the answer that you get so if you want a particular answer you to ask a particular question and so they've been really good at picking up on how to ask great questions I think it really fits the the legal model well but that's been one thing that just I've been really thinking and working about is just how can we use the learning lessons from all the hosts we work with to train that particular host and then I think the second thing we're, we're trying to figure out is just scalability you know if we can do this for Um, you know, one attorney in Cleveland, we can do it for all the attorneys in all the areas. But, you know, maybe we only work with, you know, one per major geo area. So we're not competing with ourselves. But okay, well, how do we scale it from one to 10 or from 10 to 100 or 100 to 1,000? Just what does it take to do that? And so that's been really something I've been thinking about is uh, as we continue to go really fast, what is the best way to execute that at like a big scale? Wow, yeah,
1: that's a... Common struggle for a lot of companies too. So, yeah, um, I'm not a resource yet, but I hope to be one day. To be honest, if you come Keep up with ideas, but I do want to say that um, in my becoming a podcast host, I have been learning from you, and I feel like it has. You've been really helpful in, in giving me the confidence, one, to be able to sit here and do this and to feel like I'm capable and knowledgeable enough to have these conversations with people. But yeah. also you've um, given me enough like cheerleading that it's like you can you can do it and you're going to be great at it. And um, And then as well as like obviously help with the scripting and everything, I feel way more prepared than I expected to feel in being a podcast host. And I am the first person that anyone would say is somebody who um, doesn't like talking to people very much. I get a little nervous. I get, you know, um, in my head too much and having me hosting a podcast, I think was the last thing on anyone's list ever, (laughs) but you've, you've made it really easy. And I think that that is, um, I think it's really neat that you're able to do that and to take someone like me and turn me into a podcast host. So,
2: because right, if you can do it, anyone can, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling no, all re- of the attorneys listening, yeah. like, if you don't think you can be on a podcast, you can,
2: <laughs> you can. Yeah. yeah. I-, I would say though, that it, you're really good at it. There's some sort of natural ability. You've picked it up really quickly and you've picked up on the details. I think sometimes um, people gloss over those details, but we figured out some best practices and you're using all of them. So <laughs> some people sort of, you know, it takes them a while. Every, every time you chat, you have to beat them up with a couple best practices. Here, do this next time. Do this next time. You're just like, Tell you what, I'm just going to do all of them next time. <laughs> and all right, there we go. Um, so yeah, I, you've been doing really, like you've, you've gone from zero to, you know, podcaster in like no time. Do we, back at you, what would be the one recommendation you would give like a future host like if they're going to host their own podcast the
1: one the one recommendation that I would give is to um, practice with somebody who's going to give you constructive feedback and not make you feel nervous about what's happening you go through it just like there's somebody you've never met before or it's like your second time talking to them and then take that feedback and implement it. And that helped me when I did a practice with you before, um, that helped me to really finalize what my script is and what I'm going to say and how I'm going to feel confident about moving from part to part and section to section and really just feeling good about the episode is going to go smoothly because I know what to do. Um, so I think that was the most important thing was just getting that little bit of practice to really map out the exact, um, exact script and everything I want to say and exactly how I'm going to move each piece. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I don't think that that needs to be done with you. I think just in general, somebody that that person is really comfortable with and can do this while fully role-playing that you are the podcaster and you don't know them. You need to fully do that to, to go through it properly, but getting some feedback of like how it went for that other person, um, is really helpful.
2: Yeah. Nothing like another human to just practice making a connection with, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. Especially if you already have a connection. So you feel it's almost easier. And then once you've done it, that one time of practicing, then it feels like you can do it with anybody. So right. I, I really think it was for me, just a matter of actually starting to do it and, um, and then getting that confidence from doing it and knowing that it went well. And the yeah. person liked talking to me. <laughs> I wasn't a snooze fest, you know, I had good questions. So I think that's the most important thing is like, make sure that you feel confident before you go into it. But, um, all right. So now we've talked about what podcasting can do and why it's so important. So I want to ask you, how did you get here? And I kind of want to hear, I want you to take me back. Like, all about little Casey and how did you get into podcasting? Was there anything that could have ever predicted that like, this is what you'd be doing and helping people with?
2: Yeah, totally. Um, You know, little Casey um, grew up, uh, you know, I, I got into magic when I was a little kid. And there was this um, movie. I, I remember as a kid, I remember particularly coming home, watching a movie. And they were in central park. It's like grand central park in New York city, like that. Okay. A large park. And there are all these kids gathered around, like a clown doing some magic on a table. And, and the clown had this, like, fish. What was it, clown? Somebody, somebody goofy. And he had a fishbowl. And then the clown kept, like, grabbing coins out of the air. You know, that, like, oh, look, you have a quarter in yeah, ear kind yeah. of thing. But he kept grabbing them out of the air. And every time he grabbed out of the air, like a silver dollar would, like, appear from both of his hands. And he dropped them into the fishbowl. And he kept doing this. Until the fishbowl was basically full of coins. And he covered it and took the cover away. And there was a fish swimming around in the fishbowl in water, you know. Okay. And you're like, What? How does that happen? And um, so I just remember being as a kid being like, I need to go learn magic, you know, off to the library, looking things up and and I remember later on, the sort of entrepreneurial streak. I would do magic shows for the kids in the neighborhood or birthday parties, and charge them a little little money. Hey, go get a dollar and come back, and I'll, get, I'll do a magic show and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I loved creating experiences with people. Then that was kind of the thing that I loved seeing the aha moments or the the skeptical moment. No, that's po- that's not possible. That that breaks the laws of physics. You can't possibly do that. And it's like, oh, I'll never tell the secret. You know, the magicians. <laughs> Thing. Um, but just I remember growing up, I always loved um, entertaining or at least connecting with people through magic and and kind of bringing a smile to their face. And of course, nothing like doing that as a child to then go into computer science as an adult, right? And and being <laughs> like, wait a minute, where's all Lose the, the magic? <laughs> right? Where's the magic? Where are the people at? So, um, not quite a great major, but I thought, hey, I liked AOL. I like the miracle online. (laughs) Maybe that means computers. No, it doesn't mean computers at all. So a little bit of a technical background in in schooling, but I realized even after all those courses in school that I I liked being that technical communicator, knowing the tech, knowing how to set some stuff up on the back end, but also using words and images to convey things to people. And so marketing just sort of came out from there. Um, And so that's sort of how I've developed over the time was just Wanting to connect with people, but also being a little nerdy at the same time, and you know, wanting to dive into some code while at the same time connecting.
1: That's awesome. And podcasting is so technical that you have to know the back end to really pull it together. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, you it can.
2: It can here. get a little technical. <laughs>
1: yeah, when you're when you're doing the actual um, editing and uploading and oh, yeah. all of that stuff that is so overwhelming and seems so difficult to start your own podcast until you have somebody to help you. But totally
2: the editing thing is a weird black hole. Um where <laughs> you're like you go into the I'm editing not good at it
0: school,
2: <laughs> Yeah. And you know, you sit down, you're like, I'm gonna edit this this v- video, this movie, even like a school project. And then you look up and it's like six hours later, it's like 4 a.m. You're like, oh my gosh, what happened? You were just in an editing black hole. That's why attorneys should not be editing their own podcasts, yeah. right? There's a lot of client work you can be getting done and conversations you can have. You don't need to be doing that. Let a team handle that for sure.
1: Quite a waste of your billable hours. Yeah, <laughs> especially also. you get like two minutes through your video <laughs>
2: right yeah, yeah, exactly right. That's the thing. Is it all that work and you're like, well, my ninety second ad clip is perfect now. yeah, you know
1: video editing is not for me. Anyone that has the ability to sit there and do that is wonderful
2: <laughs> yes
1: um. Okay, so if you could go back in time and meet yourself back when um, either when you were going to college and picking your major or when you graduated and got into your career, what, would you, what advice would you tell yourself?
2: Another one. You're just <laughs> on a roll today.
1: I'm uh, here to stump you. This is, this is yeah. my goal.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is good. Um, yeah, this is, this is one of those questions. I, I, I love this question. You know, I think for me, it's something around, there's an intersection. There's an intersection between what you're passionate about and where you have like a like a skill or an expertise. And I think you know, if I were to talk to younger me, who is a little more goofy than I am now, and I were to talk to him, or who are we kidding? Same Same level of goofiness. I would literally encourage myself to... To stay in the passion zone, to stay in that area where I'm just in love with what I'm doing, Wh- whatever topic it is, whatever industry, um, whatever clientele it is, to stay in that zone because that's where I am unbeatable. That's where I am better than the entire world. If I am in that zone where I'm doing something that I love, like get out of the way, it's all over. I'm. It's like I and I'll stay up all night and and I'll be happy about it and uh, or i'll i'll spend so much time researching or learning or talking or sharing with people um, i'll nerd out on things and it all feels like fun and i think whenever i'm in that zone it feels like that i look out the window and i'm waiting for like the truancy officers to come and bring me back to high school bring me back to school where i was just you know oh you know sitting there in the classroom being bored or that that version of that i feel like the, the reality cops are going to come get me and drag me out of the situation because I'm having a blast. Like I, when I'm in that zone, I feel like I am unstoppable and life is thrilling. So it's like, I would encourage myself to just make sure to stay attuned to that because sometimes it changes, right? As you get older, that thing you were nerding out on last year or 10 years ago, maybe it's not so hot anymore, you know, and whatever, not, not that it's a trend, but sometimes, you know, your passion is, a particular kind of, you know, even law, you know, for the, the attorneys listening, it might be a particular kind of thing, but it doesn't have to be. So switch. Um, and I think the more recently I realized that uh, not to let it drag on. That that thing that was a passion early on, if it's starting to get not that way anymore, that's okay. You know, investigate how you can modify, change things up, or seek out that new one, so that you're not uh, ever stuck in that mode where you're just going through the motions. I think life's too short to do things that you don't enjoy um, and to do work that isn't meaningful.
1: Absolutely. I think that's so relatable because I'll do the same thing. I'll stay up really late at night if I'm doing something that I'm super excited about. And I was really happy when I found marketing and I kind of just landed in a role in marketing because I finally got that passion that had lacked in every other aspect of my career up until then. And so I've, I've heard this, though, about attorneys that sometimes this happens once you, um, you graduate, you go into big law and you're like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be a hotshot attorney and I'm going to work in this giant firm and I'm going to be really excited about it. And then you get in there and it's just draining. It's not fun. It's not helping as many people as you wanted to. You're doing way more of the admin work than you wanted to do. And then they go and they start off their solo practice and it becomes that passion again. And I think that's really important, especially for attorneys to find, um, like you said, like switching between practice areas or whatever, anything that that really brings that passion is going to make you better at taking care of your clients and it's going to get you better outcomes. It's going to make you more money and you're going to have a better time doing it.
2: Hell yeah. I mean, some, some of my attorney friends have shared that experience and I, and I've even, as a, you know, it's like you go into, whether it's a big agency or big business and you're working for a large company, if there's a different feel and some people like that, there's usually a more safety and security and stability, but there's also a lot less freedom and flexibility and, and chance to do different things and try different things and risk different things. It's very much locked down and, And I found it was fun being a part of a big company, but then way more fun being being, you know, an entrepreneur, being a solo or being on your own and building something or in a small company, right? Way more fun because then you wear multiple hats. And some people like wearing multiple hats, some people don't. If you don't, big company's great, big firm's (laughs) awesome. But if you like switching up the hat every now and then, then you know, the small company, the firm, going solo as an attorney, those are all great great path to follow.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. What do you do when you aren't being a marketing wizard, when you're not running your podcast company, when you're not helping people make connections, what are you doing?
2: You know, I built one of these like trapezoidal gym climbing things two days ago.
1: Okay. Like a
2: monkey in your backyard. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I used to call that a spider web and you,
2: yes. Thank you. Much better than trapezoidal climbing thing. Uh yeah. I, I built that recently and it's not easy. You know, I think I'd much rather do marketing or launch a podcast than build that thing, but it is <laughs> the bugs were biting and and we we're like, hey, this is this one. No, no, this is this one. And so I don't do that very often, but I feel very accomplished that I needed to share that. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> you need the recognition you deserve yeah. for that. Yeah,
2: totally, totally. You know, you some of my loves outside of you know, work and passion. Again, you know, like we said, if it is a passion, then it's on your list anyways. But when I'm not doing that particular one, uh, I love getting out there and climbing mountains. The taller, the better. Um, there's something about seeing a mountain and you think, "Wow, that's amazing." Or at least I do. I think, "Wow, that's amazing." Well, I wonder what it's like to be on top of that thing. Like, wonder when you climb all the way to the top, you can't go any higher. What does that look like, and what's the view from there? And mm-hmm. or just you know, what would it take to get to the top of that thing? Can I do it? Um, Kind of challenge myself that way. And I remember just any kind of mountain I would see, I would ponder if I could get to the top, like, what would it look like? And can I do it? And like Mount Rainier in Washington is one of the bigger ones that I've climbed. And it just started with visiting my parents and looking at it going, are you kidding me? Have you, by the way, have you seen that? Have you seen Mount Rainier? I have, yeah like in person in seattle kind of thing and
1: i was actually born in seattle what
2: <laughs> Yeah. see the things so, yeah, you learn about I've each other it. on a podcast
1: i know right okay um, so you're
2: born out there so you know all about it so yeah you know and like we don't have that out east um you certainly don't have that in texas, Done in the, texas yeah. the thing where you're just kind of hanging out and you look over in the horizon and there's this thing mm-hmm. that just juts out and you're like what is that? It, like it it breaks all the lines and the planes of the mountains around it. It's just into the sky and it, there it is Mount Rainier. And you're just like, wow. So I just saw that. And the first time I saw it, I was like amazed. You know, I can't drive when I'm around mountains like that because I'm just looking at it the whole time <laughs> and I just want to look at it. I got to drive, dangerous. So very <laughs> dangerous. So yeah, absolutely. Very dangerous. So yeah, it's just those kind of things that, uh, you know, could I do it, and and what would it be like? Awesome. And yeah, and so I went off, and it was like one of the hardest days of my life—two-day climbs. And while I'm doing it, I'm like really tired. I'm like, this is a terrible hobby, right? Like, what kind of idiot passion is this? Because like yeah. this is hard. But then you get to the top, and you're like, I'm still tired, but great. But then you get to the bottom, and you're—I remember sitting. Um, in some chair, drinking a a rainier beer, looking at the mountain, being like, I just climbed that thinking, I can't wait to do this again. You know, something about after the fact being like that. It's an
1: accomplishment. It's like, wow, I did that and I finished it and I got to see something really cool in the meantime. Totally. I actually, so I lived in Missoula, Montana for a time and it's just a big valley with mountains all around. Wow. And I never, um, I was not an outdoorsy person before I moved there. I became an outdoorsy person though, because (laughs) of the mountains, because I was like, I want to be on top of that. I want to get up there and I want to, one, I want to know I can do it because never knew knew that I could do that before. (laughs) Um, But also I want to see everything. And when, when you get up there and you look over an entire city beneath you is just really, really cool. And then there's the times when you get up a mountain and you find like a hidden waterfall or something that. I've had that experience too, where it's just like, this was just hiding over here that nobody knew. I mean, people knew because people had been there before, but it wasn't visible. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, the,
2: Only the people that have climbed only it The know, people that right? have been
1: there have seen it. Yeah. yeah. And you find this really cool thing that you were like, wow, that was an accomplishment to get there. It was really hard, but I got to see something really cool and I finished.
2: Yeah. So I totally like you got that. an escalator and, Or (laughs) helicopter to the top, like you earned it every step of the way.
1: Absolutely, so that's pretty cool. I don't get to experience that in Texas at all. (laughs) I stay inside most of the time.
2: Do they even have hills? Like Um, the hills? I guess.
1: Technically, I live in hill country, but it's not much.
2: (laughs) Make you (laughs) a hill person? Like hill people?
1: Oh, I'm I'm in the city enough to not be that. So
2: (laughs) right. Right, okay, good. Not a hill yeah. person.
1: Not a hill person. <laughs> Noted. But like the hills have eyes. That movie is going to traumatize me for the rest of my life. Have you
2: seen that? I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't think I saw that just so I wouldn't be able to not go in the hills anymore, you know? Oh yeah, don't watch it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been really great. So, Casey, where can fi- people find you if they're interested in learning totally. more?
2: Yeah, yeah, they can hit me up on uh, many places. So they can hit me up on LinkedIn. Casey Cheshire on there. Um, the website is ringmasterlive.com. And my email is just Casey at ringmasterlive.com. So people can hit me up anytime. We launch podcasts all the time for attorneys. Can't wait to help you launch yours. Uh, reach out. We'll have a conversation about it. Let's connect and, uh, and talk through what it might look like in your area. And again, we only work with one person in each area. So you know, if you're, you know, unique and we haven't worked with that area before, then definitely reach out so that um, we can work with you.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much um, for joining me today.
2: Yeah, no, this has been so much fun. You are so good at this. Will you please <laughs> remember me when you've got like a million followers and, and this thing is just blown up to just like, don't forget the little old me episode like 14 or whatever it is. Um, Cause you you're really good at this.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you everyone um, for listening today. If you learned anything or enjoyed this podcast, share it with someone else who might get some value from it. So thank you again. Um, That's it. Another great episode of solo de facto, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, visit our site at solodefacto.com. And remember, smash that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Solo De facto is sponsored by Backoffice Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist, helping you grow your firm one call, one chat, one new client at a time. To discover how they can help you grow your firm, head on over to backofficebetty's.com and mention the Solo De facto show for an exclusive listener offer.